0: But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah-Nicé. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek, from generation to generation. Will you please pray with me and for me? Father, how we thank you for the privilege we have this morning to be in your house, to sense your presence, to have the opportunity to fellowship with our eternal family. Thank you, Lord, that everyone who is saved We'll enjoy eternity together and most of all with you. Thank you for the good music we have heard this morning, the opportunity that you've given us to preach. But Lord, we know it doesn't matter how much we know, we need your power and presence upon us. And Lord, that you will make this message live in the heart and the life of each and every one of your children, regardless of what station they hold in your will. We do ask our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen. Now, there's two or three things here that I want to point out. I have a message. I haven't preached it since I was in Mexico on the kind of a man that God uses. And I use Joshua uh, for the meat of the message. And Joshua's name first appears here in Exodus 17 and verse 8. Now, it appears several times after that, but this is the first appearance of his name. And so my first point is this, that Joshua could take orders. And see, God knows all things. And if Joshua would not listen to the man of God, he was not going to listen to him. Now, if you will notice here what Moses says unto Joshua Choose us out men and go out fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with a rod of God in mine hand. Now I am a Baptist, and I've been able to spell that for a long time. When I worked at uh, Mamba Engineering on the Cape, engineers were being hired right and left. It didn't matter if they knew anything. If they had that sheepskin that they'd graduated from a certain engineering school, they were automatically hired. And of course the superintendents who had been on that pad, I worked on pad B, that's where they fired the Saturn V rockets from And they were all the time making fun of these engineers. Now, they were fresh out of school. They had no on-the-job training. They had all kind of little uh, drawings of them. And I would go through the office and just laugh because they were humorous. And one of them had a picture of this fellow with his... That was when they wore it as it's supposed to be worn with a bill in front. But anyway, it had... it. Everybody okay? And then he had it turn on, <laughs> turned on the side of the head and a snaggled tooth and a big long nose and a little beard hanging off of the chin. And he was kind of goofy looking, you know. And, and here was a caption on the bottom. 30 days ago, I couldn't spell engineer. Now I are one. <laughs> and so... I want to say I am a Baptist and I can spell the word Baptist. and But I, I'm sure Joshua was not like most Baptists. All right. No, let me rephrase that. He was not like some Baptists because if Joshua had a been, here is what he would have said. Uh, you do that. And uh, Or you get somebody else to do that. When I first went to Tabernacle, several people would approach me and say, Brother Jones, have you got anything I could do? Well, in the last several years, nobody approached me because I always gave them something to do. And Joshua was not like that. Or perhaps he would have said this, you let me go to the top and you go out and fight. Now, I'm, I'm pastored 45 years, and I'm not just wind jamming. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. You do that. Why can't you do that? And then, here's what one, some would have said, that's what we're paying you for. Okay, so Joshua was the type of a man that God did use. He could take orders, and he listened to the man of God, and he went. Now, that's just a commercial. So here's the burden of my heart. If you will notice it, please, in verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. Then the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady, until the going down of the sun. So what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning is stand by your man of God. Now, very few people have had the privilege I had to pastor the same church 41 years, and God put some great men in that church. And I don't know how I was so fortunate to be blessed by God but I learned this, I surrounded myself by some good men and those men kept a lot of trouble off of my shoulders and I am so indebted to those men and I can say those men did stand by their man of God. I don't consider myself anything, but I know one thing, two things for sure. Number one, I know I'm saved. And number two, I know I'm called to preach. Now, if that makes me a man of God, then I guess I am one. But I would not call myself a man of God. But some of you are. And I, I want to I wanna talk to you a little while about standing by your man of God. Now, of course, here is my burden. If this man exercises the gifts as your minister, we're going to view some of them, then you stand by him. May I say, undoubtedly, according to the scripture, Uh, Israel would have lost that battle. Amalek, as you know, is a type of the flesh. Amen. Amen. And that's why God wanted it destroyed by Saul. He doesn't entertain anything of the flesh. He wants it all to go and the Holy Ghost to move and minister through us and in us for his glory and for his honor. And so they would have lost because the scripture tells us that when his hands came down, now I don't know what you think, but you try to see how long you can hold your hands out in front of you, not nearly as long as you think you can. And when I was at Paris Island, when you put that nine and a half pound M1, holding it by the stacking swivel, you surely could not hold it very long. But I'm telling you, Moses' hands got heavy And when he would drop them, Amalek would prevail. Now, Pastor, here is the thought that came to me when I was meditating on this last evening. I wonder how much flesh your man of God has helped you overcome by preaching the word of God. That's why we need to stand by him. I'm telling you, I had a praying mother. She went to heaven two years ago, died when she was uh, 94. Very few people had the privilege to have a mother 74 years, but I did, and God blessed me. My grandmother pulled me down against her one night and said, James, every day of the world, your name goes before the throne of God. And I'm, I've often thought, you know, I don't think any of us have any reason to brag on anything. Somewhere, somebody has been praying. And that temptation, that temptation that almost took you down, who knows, but your man of God was praying for you, that God would strengthen you and help you. And that's why you need to stand beside him. I want to tell you, your man of God is not your enemy. He's the best friend that you've got in this world. He cares for you. He lays awake at night and praise that God will help you and strengthen you and so please I beg of you, dear people, stand by your man of God. Nobody knows what a pastor or preacher goes through except another one. His wife comes close but no one can know where he is, what he goes through and then he prays and he begs God for you and victory comes in your life and. And I think we just owe them so much. I believe it was Brother Larry Rain said, you ought to wash his car, amen. You ought to shine his shoes, amen. Take care of the man of God, be good to him. He's the best friend you got. If God has called him and put his spirit and power in him, I'm telling you, he is the he's the man that God has ordained to be your under-shepherd and walk with you and, and guide you and take you into places uh, of, of depth for the glory of Christ, and I've got to go here. Listen, it, I'm talking about the man of God. If he feeds you the word, do you have a man that feeds you the word of God? I'm telling you, I preached not long ago in Florida, and so when we were about to, I guess 300 yards probably from the church and so the traffic was backed up and so I said to my wife, I said, I hope we're not going to be late because I always want to go to Sunday school too and so I said, I, I hope we're not going to be late. I wonder if there's a wreck. It was only a two-lane road. Well, when we got a little closer, we saw this guy, uh, this uh, officer directing traffic and I said, there must be have been a wreck. But you know what it was? They were directing traffic into a church, quote, unquote, across the road from the church where I was preaching. We had about 25 cars, and they had about 250 cars, women going into the church holding hands, men going into the church holding hands. So you can imagine what a mess that was. And I'm telling you, there is more truth preached in one sermon through the man of God than the whole year that's preached in that man. They build their whole ministry upon love, but it's a false love, amen. A friend loveth at all times, and a man that will not rebuke you and reprove you when you are living in sin is not a man of God, but if he's feeding you, The word of God, amen, that light revealing word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He marks it out through the word of God for you to make the pathway clear. If he is doing that, hold his hands up. Stand beside him. Don't let anybody say anything against your man of God. You take up for him. He takes up for you. He not only takes up for you, but He takes you away up before the throne of grace and begs God to be with you and help you and encourage your life. You remember what Jesus said? The light giving word, the life refreshing words. Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. Amen. And so you remember uh, it was you, I believe, quoted it last night. Somebody did. It must have been you. And so when uh, those disciples went back and walked no more with him, Jesus didn't say, hey, come here, fellas. Let's see if we can arrive at a concession. Let's see if we can agree on this thing. He never did that because he had but one message and those people rejected that message. But what he did do is turn to those 12 still with him and said in so many words, are you going to leave too? And then Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And this book are the words of eternal life. And thank God for a man who's not afraid to preach, for a man who will stand and declare the word of God. Ministers must feed the flock of God. That is our job. We can't let we've got to face that, fellas. That's our job. Amen. I know that what we, oh boy, I know that what we hear a lot of time, well, I tell you right now, hide's pretty cheap around our place. So I nail their hides to the wall. You know what Jesus said to Peter? Feed my sheep. That's what we've got to do. We've got to feed. You know how you correct error with truth? That's how you, you don't correct error by embarrassing people. You correct error by truth amen, that by, by truth. Yeah, and a lot of people says, well, you know, if you have a lot of emotional services, there's a, low, a whole lot of wildfire going on. And I said, well, let me tell you, you know how you put out wildfire? With a real fire. Yeah. You all know that. You get caught, is that not right? That's right, that's right. You get caught in a, in a terrible wild raging fire is headed your way and you can't outrun it, you know what you do? You start a fire where you are. Let it burn all of that around you and th- there'll be nothing to burn when it gets there. And by the way, somebody said it like this, and you don't have to worry about it, there's enough wet blankets to put it out. So, we've got to feed, everybody okay? We gotta feed the flock of God, amen. Take heed unto yourselves and over all the flock with which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. Amen. Everybody okay? Stand by your man of God. If he cares for you, does he care for you? Then you stand by your man of God. Does he keep the wolf away? There's wolves and they dress themselves in sheep's clothing and the shepherd can tell the difference. Amen. He can tell the difference. God gives him incentive that he can understand and know, hey, that man is a wolf. That woman is a wolf. We had a fellow come to our church a few years back and and I, I watched him the way he was looking. And the way he was acting, and then one young girl came up to her dad and hey, let me say something to you, pastors. If a young girl in your church says to her dad, her mama, that man makes me feel uncomfortable, and they go to that, and they go to that preacher, preacher, you better listen. Amen. God has put in that young lady uh, something that a lot of us men do not have. Amen, I don't know what you call it, a special type radar or something. They can sense something a lot of times and you listen to them. And so we had such a wolf. And you know what I did? I got the three biggest men in our church. And I said, you watch every move he makes. He didn't stay too long. I didn't have to run him off. He didn't stay too long. Now, I'm telling you, there's a lot of wolves, fellas. And they come in and they sit on our Baptist churches. You know that's the truth. And you got a man who keeps the wolf away, praise God. The false teaching that comes in, the foul activity that I just mentioned, and I'm going to tell you something else that to me is a wolf, and that's flesh edifying music. God help us. We need music like this church has, like this meeting has, like you pastors have in your church. Amen. When uh, I was sitting beside Brother Lindsey and when they sang, started that song a while ago, I know my name is there. I said, I sang that when I was a boy. That's right. And I'm telling you right now, I've not gotten tired of it. I don't need anything, yes, yes, amen, that gets into my feet, okay. amen. I need something that gets into my heart yes. and tunes my thinking heavenward yes. that I can magnify the Lord God of heaven. Yes. I, know, I don't want any of that foot stomping, hand clapping, amen, a lot flashing, amen, That's guitar right. twanging, amen. boys in blue jeans and t-shirts and flip flops, Amen. Give me the old time music that glorified me. That's a wolf and it's devouring our churches, I'm telling you. You got a man that says, hey, that's not gonna happen here. Oh, Lord, I'm gonna get in trouble right now. When a church is, (laughs) amen, Brother Hardman, When, when when a church when a church has got good musicians, yes. I don't see any reason for this canned music. Yes. Now, if you know, now if you know the people that's doing it, that's one thing. But how you know those people are saved? And how's God going to put His breath on it? Just give me, amen. I mean, just miss a key every once in a while. That's not gonna bother me. Amen, give me something that feeds my soul. Amen, I have to fight this flesh enough everywhere I look, everywhere I go, of the things that I hear, I fight it enough. Give me something to feed my soul, to brave in me to go out into this world and magnify the Lord with my life. Bless his name. Hallelujah. I do feel like preaching for a few more minutes. Amen. But the devil wants to send a wolf in and destroy the foe that God has put you over. And I'm telling you right now, church, if a man of God ever needed his hands held up and he needs some help, it's now. We live in a time when personalities has won out over the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how he smiles, how he acts, how he walks, how he looks. Does he have the touch of God on him? Do you know he's been with God this week and got something for you that's gonna help you brave the storms of life and gonna help you overcome? Oh, help us, Lord. He does everything he can to keep you out of the reach of a wolf, I want to say it again. It's the best friend you've got in this world. Yes, That's right. It's amazing how people can walk out on a good man of God, yes, and they've watched his life for years. Yes, sir, Amen. Right. Hey, I've I've been some places. Yes. I don't want to say a whole lot about it, yeah. but I've been some places. Yes, I've been with families. I've sat with them just like you pastors have. And cried with them and wept with them over the heartache and sorrow they were going through. And then somebody tells something on you that is not true and they believe it. Yes, 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 yes. exactly right. That is heartbreaking. Yes sir. yes, sir. You just don't know what your man of God goes through and how thankful you ought to be if he feeds you, if he cares for you tries to keep the enemy of your soul away, stand by your man of oh God. Hey Amen. You stand there. There is a, a hirelings. Hirelings. They're in it for what they can get out of. And I don't want to brag on myself, but I've got some sweet people back here I know real good, known them for years, love them, was at the hospital when they came into the world. Amen. And they know my life. They know me. Yes, yes. Five times I turned down a raise at our church. I said, I'm not here to get. That's right. I'm here to give. Amen. But the church was taking good care of me. Yes, sir. But you take care of your man of God. Right. I don't have one complaint. I've never said one thing against the church I pastor. They took care of me. They gave me a living. They gave me more than a living. Took care of me. Take care of your man of God. Don't let him sit around and worry about where he's, whether he's going to have tires for his car or if he's going to be able to pay his insurance. or or the medical bill. Don't, don't let him worry about those things. Let him keep his mind on what God has called him for. You Take care of him. Hold his hands up and, and, and let God bless you and God will bless you for that. Amen. Now, if he leads you, if he cares for you, and if he loves you, if he reproves you, A preacher that doesn't reprove does not love his people. I'm telling you, my daddy about loved the life out of me. (laughs) His favorite scripture was, if thou beatest him, he shall not die. (laughs) But you know what? That kept me out of the places that the rock of ages go into. Kept me out from behind bars. Hallelujah. And if you got, what has a rebuke served you for? Kept you out of. Kept you from doing. If he loves you, he'll rebuke you. When we were living in Florida years ago, Stephen was six and he had a little buddy there in the neighborhood that was six years old. And so one day Stephen did something his mother told him not to do and she whipped him. And that lady said, do you whip your boy? He's just six years old. A lady approached D.L. Moody one time and said, Mr. Moody, how old should your child be before you start whipping He said, how old is your child now? She said, six months. Said, you're six months behind. I don't know. That's what he said. (laughs) But anyway, she said, I don't don't whip my child. Said, I love it into doing right. No, that's exactly right. It doesn't happen. If he rebukes you, if he reproves you, you know what that is? That's a sign of his love for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He doesn't want you to get your life messed up. He doesn't want you to let a wolf come in and and devour you. He he wants you, wants the best for you in life. I'm talking about a man of God. Now, I taught homiletics in our Bible Institute. We've ran it for 15 years. And And in homiletics, I have two parts. First semester and se- second semester, and the first semester is the man of God and his preparation, and the second semester is the message from God and its presentation. Yep. And so what? And so what I do, Brother Brown? I go about eighteen to twenty weeks on the preparation of the man of God. Yes. Amen. And I'm going to tell you why I do that. And I tell them why I do that. If we're not right, our message is not going to be right. Because it's going to fly back and hit us in the face somewhere down the amen. road. Amen and amen. So if he if he's, uh, exhorts you with all long suffering, if he characterizes sin, if he names it, It is right to name sin. It's right to name it, to call it out. If he calls for obedience to God's word, that means he has faith in you that you can do this. And you can do it. I'm telling you, the man of God, if he contrasts the philosophy of the world With the teaching of God's word, it is that he's trying to keep you from spiritual destruction. How many churches today try to operate their church with a philosophy of the world? God is not going to bless that. And just because something is big does not necessarily mean that God is in it. I read years ago from the renowned world evangelist. He said, God has to be in that because it's so big. What would he done with Noah and Jeremiah and even Jesus in his day? What would he done with that? Hey, I'm telling you, what is right is what this Bible says is right. Amen, and we're gonna walk with this Bible. We're gonna do what the Word of God says, amen, the world's philosophy disregards what the word of God teaches. You heard the dear pastor last night speaking about the opportunity to speak about this uh, meeting uh, because he had to approach it right. Yes. Or he, just like you said, and I, I said, amen, brother, you're right. You wouldn't have got the chance. The philosophy of this world is entirely different. They don't understand. They cannot see what we see. They cannot sense what we see. Now, I'm going to use this term. They cannot feel what we feel. They don't know what's going on inside us. They don't understand. Thank God we're citizens of another world. We don't belong down here. We don't have to adopt the way the world does things. We have our manual right here before us. This is how we're to live and whoa and honor God with our life. There's no way anyone can be developed for God's glory who adopts the world's philosophy. Just can't do it. Here's the goal of the man of God, I'm done. Jesus said all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, not Jesus only. In name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world are four alls that I just read. Yes. All power, we hear a lot about that. Yes, sir. There is all nations, we hear a lot about that, and we ought to. Yes. I'm with you all way. We hear a lot about that, and we ought to. But there's another all, teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I've commanded you. That is the man of God's goal. Amen. All power, all people, all precepts, and all presence. All of it. All of it. I heard a black preacher say one time, don't be bringing in them half Bibles in here. You know what he was talking about. And there's a lot of preaching that's halfway done. That fourth all I mentioned is left out. Teach them to observe all things. I don't know, Pastor, where I'd be if God had not put some men of God in my life to direct me and help me and keep me out of sin. I don't know how many times I've been faced with something and a word from the man of God would come to mind. What do you think about your man of God? There's a lot of churches here, a lot of men of God here. What do you think about him? Do you pray for him every day of your life? He prays for you. Do you help him? Do you defend him? Someone trying to say something against him to tear him down? Or his family? A lot of times, if they can't get to the preacher, they'll go to his wife. Or one of the kids. I'm telling you. What do you think about him? How long's it been since you just got on your knees? He said, Lord, thank you for the man of God you've put in my life. I may not always understand every decision that he makes and everything that he does, but I know he's for my good. And I want to thank you for it. I want to encourage you to do that. Thank God for your man of God.